Squash Tourist and Friends podcast. Well, I'm delighted to say that kicking off 2021 with an absolute squash legend and all-round great bloke, uh, we've got Dave Evans in for a chat today. He's obviously former world number three. Uh, he made the world team final with Wales in 1999, and he won the British Open in the year 2000. One of, uh, at the time, he was the third third British player after Jonah Barrington and Peter Nicholl to have won the event. Um, and still only the, uh, the fourth the fourth player, Nick Matthew, now added to that list. So really are talking about one of the uh, legends of the game. And great to get his thoughts on his career and, uh, and on squash and, and hear his journey through it. So please enjoy the show. We're live, Dave. Welcome. No problems, Jay. Glad to be here. Bringing, uh, bringing, a, yeah, taking the podcast up. I assume you probably haven't listened to to uh, to them yet, but this is uh, certainly bringing the uh, the credibility up uh, by getting the likes of yourself, getting yourself on for a chat. Oh, I, d- I don't know about that. I listen, I listen to the Robbo in one. You know, you can't get much better than that. In fairness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was the first step. Gone from uh, gone from yeah, Creedy and Trustwell and the boys to, to up to Rob. He, he brought it up, and uh, we're uh, and I'm back down now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll assess it by at the end of the uh, end of the chat and see how we've done. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think it's, I was working out. It's, it's about a year to the day almost that we were uh, we were sat sat at TIC together, pretty much watching Joel. I think. Yeah. So, oh, I know, and how how much I would give to be back there now, or any any tournament, to be honest with you, with this current uh, situation. You know, I know the TOC is a, is an amazing event anyway, but just to be able to go to any tournament would be, uh, you know, I'd bite bite someone's hand off for that now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was actually in Grand Central last uh, on Friday and uh, walked past. They've got they've got a different exhibition on, and yeah, it's uh, obviously. It's been there for so many years, isn't it? It's um, sad to yeah. see, not see that squash court. It there. is. It... No, it's a shame. It is a shame. Hopefully, you know, with, with the vaccinations now, hopefully we can uh, start to move on a bit now. You know, it yeah. still take a little bit of time, but you know, at least it looks like a bit of light at the end of the tunnel now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. How's um, how's lockdown been for you? Though? You uh, you said you're uh, you're able. To, there's sports centres open at the moment for elite players. Yeah, we with Wales they've signed um, just elite players off, um, which is a handful. There's not many, you know. The the pathway players they, they don't come into that bracket, which is a shame. Um, so that that stays open during lockdown. So I managed to get out and uh, and get on court, you know, most days with uh, with someone there, um, and then it's uh, back home to the the madness of the the, the three children. Then <laughs> you're uh, taking the homeschooling uh, role as well. I, I am indeed, yeah, but the, the problem is, you know, it's like when you're in school and the supply teacher comes in, all the children <laughs> like the supply teacher. Well, I, I'm classed as that, I think. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they do they do what they want. <laughs> PE in the garden, is it? Sorry? You're taking the PE? Well, yeah, with, I, I would love to do that, with the, but with the weather in Wales, Jay, that's not, not possible most of the day. So it's, uh, it's, it's house homeschooling, unfortunately, but, you know, God help them. How about yeah, yeah? Good luck with that. <laughs> how um, how are you uh, keeping fit yourself? Are you uh, have you been doing any running? I run back in the day. Yeah, no, I, I used to like running. Um, unfortunately, I was a long, long time ago. Um, I've done during the first lockdown. Um, I was doing a 
a little bit of running just because everybody was putting challenges on, etc. And I sort of uh, tried to take part in them, you know. But uh, but since then, other than when I go on court, I haven't done anything at all. I'm uh, ashamed. At some point, just yeah. I'm sure you're uh, sure you're sure you're still hitting a sweet ball uh, for the for the boys that you're or boys and girls that you're on feeding. As long as long as it comes back to the same spot, I'm okay, Jay. when you go, got a move. Is <laughs> the you can Yeah, I can def definitely relate to that. Um, so yeah. Uh, I uh, wanted to go sort of, I don't know, back back to the uh, back to the start really. I mean, a lot of these, if, I don't know if you've listened to some of them, but um, sort of going through, you know, the squash squash journey really. And obviously, everyone's got a different um, different pathway through it. You know, um, some people have you know played from a very young age, others not so much, and you know, people have got to all sorts of different levels. So, I mean, obviously, great to uh, great to have you know yourself on, who's. Uh, Got to you know world highest ranking of three. Uh, you you made a world team final was it in '99 with uh, Wales that year. '99 in Cairo, yes. Yeah, and obviously uh, winning the British Open, which was I mean I was actually there in the crowd uh, as as a youngster, but um, yeah, just a, an amazing uh, achievement. The third third British man. Uh, I think there's only been four in total, even even now. So yeah, just such an achievement to uh, to have to have done that. But yeah, first off, just wanted to go back to the uh, back to the start. Really, I, I don't really know much about your like junior days, or I heard that you start started relatively late. So I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, I, I suppose you you didn't hear much of my junior days because I wasn't that uh, particularly that good, if I'm really honest. Um, yeah. But starting wise, I I, probably, I first started playing squash when I was um, about 14, wow. um, just just pure by accident. No, no, none of my family, um, people, the area where I live, you know, my mum and dad not a squash, um, didn't have a clue, didn't have a clue what the game was, if if I'm honest. Um, yeah. I was a big a big rugby fan and a player when I was in school. Um, just back in the day, you didn't have a choice in, in Wales. In, in the winter, you played uh, rugby in the winter or you didn't do games. So, you you know, you sort of got into that. Um, I started playing rugby, like I said, all the way through until um, I carried on playing until I was 18, really. But it was a, a teacher's strike back in the UK when I was uh, about 14, where rugby and after games um, lessons stopped. So just a friend of mine, uh, myself and a, and a friend, we went down the local leisure centre as we were bored. And there was a junior squash uh, session going on, just by chance. Uh, we we took part. It was it was good fun. Not very good, obviously. Um, and and just sort of just carried on attending the junior squash sessions every Wednesday, every Saturday from there. Um, and that and that that was the the background. Um, yeah, I sort of started getting the bug a little bit. Um, but rugby was my my first sport. Um, you know, up until uh, probably you know university time, really. Uh, I started improving. I, I managed to make a, a couple of the, the junior Welsh squads. Uh, like back in the day, it was the under 16 then, not uh, 15 as or 17s as it is now. It was the under 16 and then the massive gap to under 19s, um, yeah. you know, as, as, as you would have experienced. Yeah. Um, and probably when I was when I was when I was about 16 or 17, I started playing a few of the, the junior events in, in, in the UK. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of remember coming to Derbyshire quite a bit, traveling around and getting quite a lot of thumpings. 
Yeah. Um, and it just realized, made, made me realize the gulf of standard that, you know, I thought I was sort of becoming a better junior in Wales, but you know, obviously nowhere near the, uh, the standard of everyone else in, in England, that's for sure. Who was uh, who were the top English players then at the time? Was that age, your age group? Um, it was Paul Hargreaves, yeah. uh, Justin Rennie, um, like Stuart Cowie, Peter Nichol, Scotland. Uh, Martin Heath was a little bit older, yeah. um, but that that sort of uh, group really. Um, yeah. But you know, when we played the home internationals, uh, especially against England, it was it was literally a matter of trying to get some points from the player you played. Really. Wow. So, yeah, so it, uh, yeah, it, so like I said, it, it wasn't until I got, when I got 17, I started playing a lot more, yeah. you know, took a lot more serious. Um, and so I probably made more of a rapid improvement than sort of 17, 18 years of age than, than the first part of the, the, the squash journey, that's for sure. Yeah, it must have, yeah. Well, um, uh, so when did you go pro? You went, did you say you went to university and then went pro after that or during that? Or you finished? No, well, I, I, I yeah, well, I actually got accepted into university on a, um, a rugby scholarship. Um, and the university thing was more, um, if I'm really honest, to keep my parents uh, happy in that, you know, you had to, especially then you had to get the university degree before you did yeah. anything. And um, I, I was exactly. And, um, and I, I, I got accepted into university and I managed to persuade my mum, could I give squash a go for a year um, and defer for a year? Wow. And uh, she she went for it, but she said, you've, you know, you've got a year. And, it, you know, if they, they couldn't afford to keep me or anything like that, as in keep handing out monies. So um, I had to try and prove myself. You know, they knew I wasn't going to be a, you know, a, a world number one, you know, straight away. But at least if they could see I applied myself and I was getting better, I, I, I thought deep down I would have been able to persuade them so I could carry on. And, yeah. and, and that's how it went, really. Oh, brilliant. Um, who was so? What was your like training like at that stage? And who who was were there other players around? Like Goffey was he around, or was that yeah? Were there people to hit with? Yeah, Robbo there as well, or was that later? Yeah, no. Well, I was there at the time. Robbo was there as a as a player. Then he was living yeah. in Wales, uh, based in Wales when he was playing. Um, so you had uh, obviously Robbo. There was Adrian Davis. Yeah. Um, Mark Mark McLean used to come down quite a lot, stay with Adrian. Um, you had Goffey, as you said. Uh, it was Gareth Davis. Uh, there was quite a quite a group of us, really. And in fairness, uh, Craig Vandervat lived in Wales, um, so there was a lot of good players. That and in fairness to those guys, they were way better than uh, than myself. But they they would always go on court with you at some point, even if it was at the end of their session or um, you know or using it to, for their own gains. But they would always go on court with us, which which brought us on, you know, huge. Yeah. So I guess you you had those world class players to, yeah, to sort of aspire, well, yeah, aspire to and see see what was required really. I suppose at that age. Yeah, and and one thing I did have when I was sort of um, it was probably about sixteen, I suppose, fifteen, sixteen. The the Leaks Wizards were were formed in in Cardiff then, where, where you know we had the likes of all the top players in the world playing. So I you know I could see like even like Del Harris and you had Adrian, Chris Robertson, you know Jansha played for the Wizards. Um, so, you know, it was on, on, I remember watching Ricky Hill, you know, which was a, an experience in itself as a youngster watching uh, Ricky play, but yeah, just so lucky to be able to see all those top, top guys, um, you know, on your doorstep. Yeah. Uh, what were the, uh, sort of early, early PSA days? Cause obviously, you know, these days we take for granted that 
you can get any, a cheap flight and uh, you know you can you can see the entry list who's playing what the options are but obviously back then it was you know you have to mail your entry form in and I'd, yeah you're not popping onto kayak are you to put your flight you got to uh, go, go down the uh, go down the high street or whatever and get your uh, get your travel agent to do it for you <laughs> no that that's that's dead right you know i suppose one of the fortunate things of myself were living in wales was that the psa office was in cardiff Okay. So yeah. it didn't always, you always had to fax your entry or, you know, to send it, like you said. Um, but at least I could go into the office, hand it in, and I would try and have a little sneaky look to see who was in the tournament. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, there was, there was no uh, grace period to withdraw from a tournament. You entered before the, the, the time. And yeah. when, if you, if you were still in it, you were in it. That was it. Um, yeah. Like you said, we, we managed to manufacture sort of, uh, I was a student, I think, for a good few years of my uh I started in Korea, Jay, so I could go to SDA travel and get the uh, the cheaper flights, as you said. But yeah, it was it was a matter of going in there and uh, and buying the, the cheapest flight possible. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Uh, sounds sounds like fun, I'm sure. Which, where, sorry. sorry, go uh, on, sorry, Jay. I was gonna say where where were? Do you remember the first tournament or first few tournaments? Where where would they have been? Yeah, uh, my first tournament was in Canada. Two tournaments in Canada. Um, I was lucky enough actually to travel at the same time with Alex. Alex Goff started the same time. So I had a sort of a, you know, a, a mate and a, and a, and a form and a colleague as well that was, uh, traveling with me, so which, which helped, you know, no end, to be honest. Uh, I do believe, I think Alex won the two of them, uh, or he won one lost in the final. Um, so that, that was, uh, my, my first experience of a, of a, of a trip away. And, um, you know, it was, it was really good. And you were, uh, how old were you then? So 19, 20? Uh, yeah, I was 19 then, yeah, 90, 93. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. And what was your sort of progression? Um, I, remember, I remember watching you play when you were probably in Holland, actually, as a World, World Cup, I think it was. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think you were probably ranked in the 30s around that time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and then, but then not, not long after that, obviously, was... Um, was the was the British Open, which is in, in Birmingham? Um, so yeah, that that you seem to make a from what I can remember a quick transition up from from the sort of thirties and forties to right to the top of the game. Yeah, like when when we started back then in ninety three, I think it was. I think the ranking list only came out once a year. Then within within um, within a couple of couple of months, it came uh, twice a year. Um, so it was important that you did well to make sure for the next group of tournaments that you were you were in a decent seed. Um, and obviously it was the old fashioned seeding system there where the top 16 were seeded, then the top eight. And you never played anyone above you if you were in that position. So um, it was tough to break into. But when you got into that uh, group, then you were sort of a little bit protected as such. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely an interesting period for sure. Um well, like the World Cup, I remember that actually because I that was my first event back after having an operation, had a, a, a wrist operation, and um, and I, I remember that uh, that event clearly. Actually, it was uh, you know it's like when you haven't played for you know a week or two. I yeah. saw you getting after all those matches, and by the end of that, I remember I couldn't walk. It wasn't my wrist I was worried about. <laughs> yeah, so it's to take your mind off the wrist at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, couldn't um, bend down. Did you uh, did you do any uh, sort of any more further field trips like I don't know like South America or um, I mean obviously you must have played the uh, like Pakistan Opens places things like that. Yeah, I, I've never done South America. I never did that uh, the tour. They always used to have one in the summer. Um, yeah. I did America um, a tour. I did that a lot. But um, 
the biggest bulk, I know I did uh, Pakistan. We were in Pakistan a lot, India, uh, Egypt. Um, they, as they were the dominant, you know, domineering countries as such then. So it was a lot, lot of tournaments in those countries. Yeah. Uh, when I grew up, to be honest with you. And uh, was was like with Jansha playing? Was was you had or Jahangir? Maybe not. Maybe not by then. Was Jansha playing still? No, they. Uh, I remember seeing Jansha and Jahangir played in the final of the World Open. That was in Pakistan. Yeah. Um, but when I, when I played. Initially, when I started playing, um, I had to play a few, obviously, the 10Ks in Pakistan. It was people, uh, Zarek Jahan Khan, Zubair, um, th those type of guys in those events. And then, um, obviously, when we went, when I got a little bit better and, and got higher up, um, Jansha, I played him once, um, but, um, and thankfully, it was only once. <laughs> got a bit of a lesson, was it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you could say that, Jay. You know, um, I was handing money over at the end of that one, that's for sure. But um, it was a, you know, a hell of an experience. And, um, you know, just, you know, I was obviously only ever watching Jahangir or Jansha play up to that point. So actually, you know, obviously not happy to lose or, you know, but to get on court with someone of that level and, and just see what, what, you know, what goes on was, uh, was invaluable, to be honest with you. Yeah, but what, uh, what really struck you then? Was there one, uh, one thing that stuck out or was it just a bit of everything, really? I think just a bit of everything with Jansha. He, he seemed to be, especially when he was playing people who he, you know, know he's better than, but he, he would just play whatever whatever game you wanted to play. He would play that with you and just be better at it. You know, if you wanted to try and volley and take everything in short or fast, he was doing that. Or he'd slow it down and he just looked effortless. You know, but... Yeah, um, uh, we probably, probably all, uh, not at that level, we can all, all uh, know that feeling when you get on court and you're trying to, uh, you, you're trying different tactics and none of them are working, the other guy's just better than you. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, I, I certainly had that when I played him. I think I'd gone through all my repertoire after about four or five points. I'm thinking this is going to be a long way here to 15. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was in a little bit of trouble, to be honest with you. Uh, brilliant. Uh, it must have helped you in the next match, though, whatever, you, whatever your next tournament was, you must have... <laughs> Yeah, and, and and to be honest, it was obviously when you're growing up, you know, you're sort of looking up to these players. And, um, you know, obviously like Rodney Martin, and he was a player I always looked up to when I was uh, younger. Um, yeah. You know, how he played and and obviously, you know, the standard of him as well. But when you go into these events qualifying, you know, those guys would be there because they're coming in in the main draw and you see them out the back. And it, it just, you know, it makes you try and play at that better level. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Was that, was... Was rather uh, did you have one player you sort of really looked up to or wanted to like I don't know maybe mould your game on a bit or like someone you you sort of had as a as there's one player that you really like watching play or whatever when you were growing up yeah and, uh, yeah as, as, when I sort of started playing I was watching a bit of squash um, it, Rodney Martin was my my favourite player you know yeah. um, I've never told him that mind when I've had a beer with him since is uh, <laughs> but. Uh, no, he, he was, he just, I just liked the way he played and, you know, he was obviously incredibly skillful. Um, he was a lot, I think he never got uh, the credit for how fit he was either because he was a good shot player. Uh, I think everyone thought that that was it, but, you know, he, he was incredibly fit um, and, uh, you know, I, I used to love watching him play. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, I still remember, you know, the, the posters of him, his Prince racket and, uh, yeah, great, great to, uh, he took, took the game to a new New dimension, really, didn't it? And really took that, brought the attacking, attacking play in, and yeah, it was, uh, it was took the took sort of the likes of Jahangir Jancho. Otherwise, the only person I think still to well to have ever beaten both of them in the in the same tournament. So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and that uh, that says a lot, doesn't it? You know, 
not many they didn't lose to many people at all but uh, to beat the two of them in in the in the one event showed what you know level rod was that's for sure yeah um and uh Going back to, to that sort of period, there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of characters. Uh, people probably, you know, there's no social media, so there's maybe a bit more freedom to uh, to get away with some stuff. But certainly some uh, some characters around, um, and and of course on courts, where the referees refs are a bit more lenient. Um, I mean, I obviously had Rob on last time, and he's there's plenty of stories about Rob sort of getting up to all sorts on court. Um, but Adrian's obviously, uh, I've heard a lot, I've never met him, but I've heard a lot of stories from, from Rob and who were pretty good friends and Creedy a little bit as well. Um, how, how was that? Because you must have played in a few teams with him, PS and National League and stuff. Yeah, as you said, you know, obviously Adrian or the Wizard, as they call him, you know, he was uh, he was a massive help to myself in Wales, playing, practicing with him, helping me out. Um, but, but like you said, he had a, he had a very mischievous uh, side to him. Always, always went to play jokes and pranks. Um, thankfully, I suppose I personally, I only sort of had a couple put on me, but I seeing what he did to other people, et cetera. And, and as you said, like Rob, Rob could tell you, you know, thousands, you could probably have another podcast just on Adrian's pranks, but um, you know, they were all taken in good spirit. You know, that was the thing or most of them. And but, he, uh, um, any that you could tell, or uh... <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah, a few tame ones. Um, I suppose Adrian sort of uh, one of his main ones. What he liked to do is when you're travelling back from a, a Super League match or a PSL match, sort of say from London back to Wales, nice three and a half hour drive at you know one in the morning. He would uh, invariably pull off the M4 at every junction, go round the roundabout three times, stop the car, and make everyone get out and do 10, 10, 10 exercises. Or he wouldn't drive on. And it was up to you that if you wanted to sit in the car and not do the exercises, you took the chance of, uh, of whether he would actually drive on or not. And, and you know, obviously everyone knowing Adrian, he would sit there all night. So you just got out um, and done that. But obviously the, the worrying thing was you had to take the car keys off him because he would have driven off and left you as well. So that, that was the type of, uh, of jokes um, that uh, Adrian liked to do. Uh, absolutely. Loose cannon. <laughs> which is which is which is what happened to me coming back from a Bundesliga weekend. Uh, we arrived back at Heathrow on a Sunday night, and uh, the ritual was we tried to get through um, the baggage and uh, the the customs as quick as we could, get back to Wales, that we could perhaps get into the pub at sort of quarter to ten on a Sunday night, ready for last orders at half past ten. <laughs> so we're we're rushing we're, we're rushing through, and as we get to the car park with Adrian Parks, he says. Uh, I want to give him a hide and seek before uh, before we go. And yeah, he's like, no, oh. so, yeah. just, so so just keep him quiet. Say, come on, in, hey, just have a go. And two weeks previous, we did the same thing. Uh, all good. So not thinking. I've gone off, pretended to hide as Adrian's counting in the terminal. One, two, three, come in, ready or not. <laughs> so I, as I'm hiding behind one of these cars. Um, I look up, I see Adrian's car drive off through the barrier. That that was the end of that. I'm stuck at Heathrow Sunday night. Have to get the National Express bus back home. <laughs> so he, le he left you there? Yeah, no no mobile phones then. Straight to the uh, National Welsh uh, bus office. Booked my ticket. I got back into uh, Cardiff, I think, or Newport back then. It was like quarter to one in the morning. Oh, my God. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? So, yeah, so that and they, they, that was the that's the tame ones. You know, I'm sure, like you said, you could get somebody on, even even Adrian himself, he'd be superb to have on this podcast to go through uh, a few of his uh, 
light-hearted stories. <laughs> yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, I would love that. Yeah, love to, uh, love to do that. We'll, we'll see, see how things progress. Maybe if he hears this one, he might, uh, he might take a fancy for it. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, coming on, bringing on to uh, sort of uh, yeah, moving into your career. So the world teams in uh, 1999. That was uh, that was a, a huge one for for Wales. You had a, you did really well. Made the uh, final there, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we did, and uh, you know we weren't seeded that high. Um, we, uh, I think we, I can't remember if we were seeded 13th maybe or 12th, but um, it was quite a bizarre trip really. Um, that we we arrived there, and Chris Robertson uh, was a national coach then, and he used to have it all planned out um, for the group stages. So we're not we're resting you guys for this game, we're resting you for that game, but we need to win that game to make sure we get to the last 16. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd like to think it was all about player welfare back then, but he was just trying to make sure that we didn't get too tired so we could play at the end of the event. Yeah. And uh, he, he did that. And we played England first match in our group. Uh, we, we, we didn't put a full team out, played Egypt the next match. Uh, same thing. And then uh, we, we had to beat Malaysia to get to the last 16. So the plan was all going well um, until Goffey went on court. Our number one, the banker, he lost three left. And we're like, oh. This plan could backfire, um, but um, thankfully, uh, myself and Greg Tippins was a, was another member of that team. Uh, Greg won at three, which took us through to the last sixteen. So, um, otherwise, that plan would have gone horribly wrong early doors. Oh wow! Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, um, it's, uh, and then uh, I think we went on. Then I know we played. I think it was Canada, maybe, um, and then we we played. We met England again. Then in the in the semi-finals. Yeah. Um, so we lost them in the group played them in the um, the semi-finals and uh, and it was just one of those days where you know obviously you know we're nowhere up against it there was there was nothing to lose as such they were a lot I think the PJ was number one yeah. uh, who was in the top 10 Simon Park was top 10 and Chris Walker was three and uh, it was just in fairness Alex played you know superb against uh, PJ and won 3-1 yeah. um, which which made it one all and I, I managed to go on and beat Simon Park then to take us through to the final Wow. Which was, you know, was was huge for us. Unbelievable, yeah, yeah. I remember re reading about it in the squash player magazines back in the day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably about two black months, and white. Two months after it wasn't wasn't at the time, obviously, but um, yeah, 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 incredible stuff. Um, no, it was it, it was it was, uh, and and we we sort of say we felt we had a chance in the final. Ironically, after you know, obviously we weren't ranked as high as them, but um, Alex Goff was first on court playing um, Ahmed Barada. And uh, you went 2-0 up. So we're thinking, you know, and, and, and we quite fancied the matchups of who we were playing then. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, um, he lost nine, I think it was nine, six in the fifth English scoring. Oh. Um, so we were, you know, it was, it was a real, like, an unbelievable event for, for us and Wales, really, to put us a little bit on the map. Yeah. Was that, was that in Egypt? That in Egypt as well. So, you know, to get two love up, you know, you had all the crowd baying for blood against Alex when he's playing Barada. Um, like you said, some interesting uh, movements on court. You know, I don't think they would be allowed nowadays. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was. You know, we we came close, which was uh, which which was excellent for for Wales at that time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure inspired uh, but, inspired a lot of love players out there, and uh, good to see it, them. It does. 20, Twenty years on, doing a, doing a good job as well. In 2019, the uh, boys making in a. Oh yeah. Exactly, you know, and it is it 
it's, it was unbelievable to get to, you know a bronze medal then for the for the guys. Um, same sort of thing, really. You know, obviously we had Joel, who's who's you know right up there in the world rankings. Um, but the other guys, you know, they weren't ranked as high as some of those other players. But somehow they, you know, they managed to get that win playing with for each other, um, and it was it was superb. You know, unbelievable. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so then coming on to uh, yeah the British British Open two thousand in uh, in in Birmingham. Um, I've done a bit of research. So that, so you were you were ninth seed. That's right for for that. Uh, I well, I think I was eleventh seed going into the event, but then I know like Peter Nickel withdrew and someone else withdrew, which put me up to to nine, I think. Then, yeah. but the, the the draw didn't change. Yeah. Okay. Right. And how yeah, how was so, the uh, how was the form going into that? Were you were you sort of were you expecting big things or? Not not really. Um, I'd had a. It was a bit of a period in my career where I was wavering a bit, and I. I'd actually played rugby on the weekend before it. And um, obviously, uh, Chris Robertson was not aware of that at the time. Um, I, you know, I, st- I, I was still doing my training, et cetera, and playing, but I, that was the sort of state of it. So I, I went into that event um, sort of not expecting a huge amount, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I'd done, I'd done the training, et cetera, but um, probably wasn't at the strongest point mentally in, the, in that event um, until, obviously, as, as the game on. Uh, yeah. You know, I was I was hitting the ball really well. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you feel like? Did you feel sort of pressure as the as the tournament went on? You know, you got to like the late, you know, see some of the seeds are well either dropping out or you're knocking them out, like Barada and uh, and those and those guys. But did you uh, did, were you pretty relaxed about the whole thing? Just sort of, or uh, you know, when you get to sort of semis and obviously then the final against when you yeah someone that you're you actually seated seated above Paul for that. How how, uh, how did you feel in terms of like the pressure there? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, really, I, I went into my first match. I then played Derek Ryan first match um, and I managed to win that um, three love, which, you know, I, I generally struggled with Derek just because well, there's a clash of styles. Yeah. Um, so I knew I was hitting the ball well, um, which put me to play Barada, who was three seed next. And um, it, was, it was my first win ever against him there. I beat him three one, which obviously then opened the draw up. Um, so I, I knew I was I was playing well. I was hitting the ball well. I was moving well. Um, but then, like you said, it was the shift of pressure. Then I played the quarterfinals, and the pressure's on me. I'm expected to win. It's like I was, you know, gee, you know, it's a quarterfinal of the British Open. You, I'm not you know, can be expected to win as well. And yeah. it, and I it was very nervous in the quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, thankfully, then semi-final, I, Dave Palmer. I played Dave Palmer, yeah. um, and he'd he'd had a hell of a match um, the evening before with John Power. Yeah. So he was he he wasn't sort of you know, moving as well as he, he could have done early doors, which man- I managed to get, you know, the first game, which settles you down a bit then. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, the, the, the nerves were, you know, unbelievable then when you're so close to winning a tournament that you've always, you know, looked up to and seen the people winning it. It was uh, it was a bit surreal, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, you know, that stage, the, I mean, it's still obviously held in huge regard at the, uh, these days, but at the time it was, it was like, you know, Almost, I remember growing up thinking that the British Open was almost more important in the world. I guess it was certainly like on a par, wasn't it? With the, those two were like above really any other tournament, especially for British players, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and like you said, generally when you're younger, you you go to watch these events as a as a as a child, you know, seeing all these other players playing it, and then um, you know to actually get in that position yourself. Um, yeah, it was a 
a bit of a sleepless night the night before the final in fairness if i'm if i'm really honest but um yeah it was uh, you know it was, it was like just a superb week obviously yeah i think the amazing thing about that really as well um is you know you're only 24 as well which i was listening to another podcast with um eddie Hearn with with freddie flintoff and you know he's saying that with in sport like a lot of the time you're you're often like at the peak of your maybe career when you when you're quite young so you know, mentally that can be quite tough. Whereas compared to say business, you you know you make those progressions later on. You're a bit more mature. But I think coming through that as a 24 year old is you know think back to the players now. That's someone like say Diego. He's about 24. Um, and you know, there's a lot a lot of you know players who've gone on to be extremely uh, you know successful legends of the game. But doing that at 24 is uh, yeah, it just seemed seemed. I remember back when I was 24. It's just I don't know trying to trying to comprehend that is. Uh, it seems to make it more impressive, really, in my in my mind. Yeah. At a young age. I think I think a lot of it was that um, I'd obviously grown up playing around sort of Adrian Davis and and Chris Robertson, who who was a who was a was a massive massive help for me. Um, from I know I had mentioned it earlier from when I was nineteen through my senior career. You know, a person who's been there, done it himself. You know, got robbed of a career really because of injury. Um, yeah. And you know he was a, he was a massive help you know all through that um, getting me that state. But and I think a lot of it was I knew on my day I could I could play against these top guys. I just didn't quite believe in myself. I think if I'm honest enough. Um, and that that's that week you know as the results and people were were withdrawing and the seeds were losing. It just opened up and just thought to myself you know you might only get one chance so you got to make sure you take this. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I, actually, I watched it. Well, I, I was there, as I said, I watched it live, but uh, I watched it back to uh, just to yeah, go, go over it and get a few uh, few ideas. But uh, I find it quite interesting that Robbo was commentating on the final. Was he uh, was he running down in between games to coach it? Because <laughs> uh, in, in fairness, that that tournament, actually, the semi-final and final was actually live on Sky Sports. It was yeah. one of the first ones. So the commentary Robbo did was about two weeks after because Robbo was down in the... Um, uh, in that, yeah, so that that was, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't know who did the commentary, whether it was maybe Alan Thatcher did the live commentary, but Robbo did the voiceover with Robert Edwards about two weeks later. So he's trying to be impartial. And I think they must have cut out every bit where he was coming into the corner to, to speak to me. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> because I, I, funny enough, Jay, I, I, br- I, brought, I brought him up on something like that the other day because I, I saw a, a clip of it and uh, he mentioned that... Uh, looks were not a strong point of myself so i managed to speak to him the other day and 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 tell him about that yeah i said i saw that he uh yeah he said that pricey had pricey was winning the looks uh the looks matchup That's or something it. like that <laughs> thank, thank thank you jay yeah so i i did have to remind him of that and he and he just replied saying well it's true <laughs> so <laughs> he is a good looking chap pricey to be fair isn't he um, yeah, I can argue with it. You know, it was just the, the thought of someone who's uh, supposed to be supporting you. You know, could have stuck up for you a bit more, but you know. <laughs> bit of a uh, bit of trivia going back to the final. Can you remember the uh, the referee and marker? John Massarella. Yeah, one. And he, yeah, and I can't remember the other guy. Sorry, they were stood on chairs, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, they got. Yeah, they had, they had some vantage point. Yeah, Tony Parker. Yeah. 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 Tony Parker, ah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. I must be fit. Semi-final, final. I did have some uh, very favourable calls. Looking back at some of that now, but you know. Well, I mean, you were, they, the scores weren't too tight. They were. It was three love in the final. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I noticed you had uh, you had the full Essex kit on as well. Were you were you uh, were you sponsored there or? Um, I, I I was, but um, it, after that event, then it, uh, it it helped me tremendously. Then by that being on Sky Sports, etc. I remember going up to the the factory in Warrington back then um, mm-hmm. after the event, and it was uh, it did, did help you know tremendously. But uh, it was a bit different the kit back then, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's pretty stylish. Look look good. <laughs> no, um, sorry, Jay. You must have had a uh, you must have had a good crowd for come up from Wales to support you. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously being, it was only in Birmingham. So, you know, a lot of the the, the guys and uh, the, your club mates, et cetera, they, they were coming up, they stayed overnight. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a really good, um, good, good, good support, to be honest with you. Well, you know, although it was in Birmingham, you know, obviously I was the home player then, yeah. um, you know, so it was, uh, it was, it was really good. And uh, it, to have your old club mates where you started playing and, yeah. and you obviously grown up with, and, you know, some of those there that, giving you hammerings on the way up through um you know it was really nice then to you know to have a, have a little drink with them afterwards i was gonna say uh, I, I know the birmingham pub scene quite well so uh, there must have been if you got yeah, if you, i don't know if you remember any of the places you uh did you stay in birmingham or did you nip back for, uh, for last orders in wales no I, I i stayed in birmingham but uh thankfully i think back in the day there everything used to shut at two o'clock because of the it's not like it is now so uh <laughs> it's uh we we, we we did celebrate obviously well, you're right, you're right in the mix at the bottom of Broad Street, aren't you? You're not far away from the. From yeah, the... I, my 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 memory's a bit hazy from because uh, it's so long ago, Jay. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Um, you also, uh, you also made the the nationals final that year. I know you played. Uh, came up against uh, a resurgent Pete Marshall in the final. Yeah. How was? Uh, no, how... I did. Uh... Yeah, he was obviously Marsh was uh, he'd been out for quite a long time because of his uh, his illness, and he, he made, he's made a comeback. And um, you know, he, he wasn't at his his best as when he first stopped. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, I felt they had a chance, and and I think it was I think he won three love, but I could sense that if I won the third game, he was starting to tire. Which obviously Marsh that was his strong point. He never did that before. Um, the illness and he, you know he, I think he made something like when I spoke to the guys afterwards I think he only ever made three or four unforced errors in that whole match wow. and um, he, you know he was just too good but the ironic thing was I played him the week later in a PSA event in Hagada same thing he was two love up I managed to win the third and beat him 3-2 and he knew he wasn't right you know and I just said why didn't you do that last week for me you know <laughs> but um, no he was another one I used to look look at watching playing um, obviously a unique style, but you know he's a you know phenomenal uh, phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah legend. Um, going on to uh, squashing Wales, how uh, have you got? How many uh, national titles have you got? I couldn't find that. Out. I was trying to work out whether you got more than Creedy or not. <laughs> I, I, well, on our archive, which is you know a bit loose, I think I've I've got ten. Uh, okay, so one so, more. Is that I, I and I, I to be honest with you, I'm I'm not one for stats or anything like that. So I, I'm not hundred percent sure what anyone's got, if I'm honest. But it's only just someone yeah. said to me. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> no, it's good. It's you know, it's your national title, and and in fairness, you know, I know Peter, you know, the same as myself. It's our national title, and we we value that, um, you know, hugely. Um, yeah. And and we we do anything to play play in our national title and to win it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did, did you? You must have had some good battles with uh, with Goffey there over the years. 
Yeah, we, you know, obviously grew, grew up through the same uh, period of playing. You know, I have to say it, he is a little bit older, if anyone, you know, if you didn't know. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we had, you know, lots of battles, league matches, you know, um, Welsh national titles, Welsh Opens, um, and, and quite a lot of league battles because we always used to play for different teams back then. Um, so yeah, you know, all, all good. And, you know, but to be honest, it's one of those, then we'd be away with each other the next week, whether it was a PSA or for Wales and, you know, we support each other, um, hundred percent through that. Um, and it was, it, it was excellent to be honest, you know, you're never, never alone when you're away then at the PSA event. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, uh, I always sort of got that feeling really from obviously no, you know, Creedy and, and uh, a few of the Welsh players, you know, Gavin Jones a lot, quite a bit when I was younger. And just always yeah. had that feeling that it was a real close, close knit sort of unity really to the to the players, and you know even I was not saying they all they get on all the time, but it was you know people they're there training together, and uh, it seems like a I don't know a bit of a closer knit community than than maybe the English in England feels a bit more a bit more separated, and people are you know in different parts of the country and whatever was felt a bit more. Yeah, I, I suppose in Wales it's easier to do that because obviously it's a smaller, smaller country, you know, geographically. But, um, but yeah, I think that's going back to the point when we, when we did get the results above our seedings, that all helps. You know, you are playing for each other. You know, you look out the back of the court, and everyone there is absolutely one hundred percent wanting you to win. And you know, I think that's important because it's hard then when you're competing against each other. Um, on an individual basis for world rankings, you know, I could be playing Alex the following week and, you know, I'm doing everything and he's doing everything he can to beat me. Um, but then it's left on the court. Um, and like you said, not everyone is, is best of mates. Um, you know, I think even that world team championships, if you ask Alex, he would rather not share a room with me. I just, you know, get on his nerves all week. So, um, but, um, but, you know, when we're playing together, you know, hundred percent behind each other. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and then going on to uh, obviously co no Welsh national coach now, so you're um, in the game coaching. Um, what uh, what? How do you feel like training methods have changed since uh, you know since you were playing compared to today? Um, to be honest with you, they obviously changed. Um, the whole thing has changed. You know the the professionalism um, compared to when we were playing. You know you can't really compare it as yeah. as such. Now the game has changed. You know even when people say the game hasn't changed it has we've got a different scoring system to start with now so um so it, it has changed the fundamentals are still there you know you need to be able to hit a good length tight down the wall etc but um it, it has changed and, and you know obviously when i come into the coaching i was sort of thrown upon it really as such as chris robertson left to go to england squash and i sort of just took over as a player coach initially yeah. um so a lot of my coaching was was learning on the job really um you know, obviously got your experiences um, of when you were playing, but nowadays it's more about adapting. You know, I watch a lot of squash when I'm away at tournaments, not just the Welsh players, seeing what the other other guys and girls are doing, um, seeing what methods, training methods they're using. And and I think the biggest thing is just to listen to all the different people and 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 take the snippets out of what you think will work and try them. Yeah. Yeah. What uh what were your what was your sort of I don't know. Train, what did it look like? Do you spend a lot of time? Um, and you said you had quite a lot of other players around, but I, I think I remember us chatting, and you, you know, you you were certainly uh, did a lot of stuff on your own, a lot of solo, a lot of a uh, lot of training on your own at times. Yeah, when when I first started, like you're saying, about eighteen, nineteen, I had Adrian, Chris Robertson, they were all there. Um, when I got sort of you know twenty three, perhaps around that time, 
Um, Alex had moved to Nottingham. Um, there was no players there. So I, I used to do, um, obviously, a lot of solo practice. Um, I, used to, I used to do a lot of running, um, you know, a lot, a lot of sort of uh, outside running. Uh, and and, I, and I, I used to use my, my league matches as my, my, my practice matches. So I, I was probably, you know, one of the players that uh, when I turned up to league, the others were thinking like, what's this idiot doing? He's like absolutely chomping at the bit. But I was using that one as, you know, obviously I think you should put 100% in when you're playing for a team anyway, but I was using it as a match for myself. Um, and, that, and, you know, I, I had two choices. I either had to move away from Wales to, to get a better base or um, I had to travel to get my practice matches. And, and, and that's I decided to stay in Wales and, and, I, and I did that then. Yeah. And it was back then. It was sort of the glory days, really. That was pit. That was the uh, pit. Um, sorry, the uh, Super League on the Monday, and then National League Tuesday. I'm sure you had the Europeans, wet or Dutch League maybe Wednesday stuff like that. You must have had a bit busy schedule at that stage. Yeah, and and you know that, and that's the thing. Like you say, you could play your Super League on a Monday, so you know you had a good match there. You had another good match on the Tuesday. Then with the training and things like that around that yeah, the rest of the week, it was it was good. It was you know it was good. You, it wasn't a lack of matches. Um, obviously, there were not as many tournaments as what there are now, so um, you could could play your league games. You know, so it wouldn't affect. Um, but um, but yeah, it was it obviously it was different back then. Um, you know. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, well, if you listen to Rob's uh, Rob's pod, you'll have heard that that there's a, a little feature I do the, the quick fire eleven. So, um, oh, oh gosh, uh, oh no, <laughs> worry, nothing, nothing too hot, nothing that's going to, uh, well, unless you, unless you stitch yourself up. <laughs> it, it, it always concerns, it, it concerns me, Jay, when you say there's nothing to worry about. So straight away, there is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, my, my editing skills aren't great, but uh, if, <laughs> if there's ever anything that needs it, I'm sure we can, we can work out how to cut it out. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll go on to, they don't, they don't have to be quick fire, to be honest, but um, okay. Yeah. At least eleven little different questions. Uh, okay. So number one, nice, nice and easy, a little intro. Uh, the best player that you ever played. Best player, it, it'd have to be Jancha, Jancha Khan. Yeah. Um, I had some battles with you know other other great players. Don't get me wrong, but I think just because of what he what he won and what he achieved, it, I'd have to say Jancha. Yeah. So, solid choice there. Definitely. <laughs> Sit um, on the fence, choice that one. <laughs> uh, the best match you've ever watched. Best match. Best match I ever watched was in the World Open in Pakistan. Adrian Davis playing Zarek Jahan Khan. <laughs> and um, in, I think I want to say it was the first or second round, but it was, you know, three, four hundred Pakistan, Pakistani supporters on the on the glass back court, not the all glass court. Wow. Um, and the only sort of uh, Westerners there were, I remember it was myself, Ross Norman, uh, watching Adrian. And um, he, he went on, unfortunately, to lose 15-14 in the fifth. But what, what a game of, uh, of attacking shots, outright winners and, and um, questionable pickups, I should say. Perhaps that's the best way. But um, real good experience and a, and, a, and a superb level match. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the best place that you played on tour or your favourite tournament could be? Favourite tournament? Uh, TOC has always been a good one. Yeah. Um, and probably not for, um, not that I did very well there, but I enjoy Hong Kong as well. Yeah. Yeah. Always enjoy, always enjoyed going to Hong Kong, um, as a, as a place. Yeah. Always, always head to one chai if you've had a bad tournament, can't you as well? 
(laughs) (laughs) What what area is that, G? I'm not sure. uh... (laughs) Uh, uh, One tip for uh, number four, one tip for a young player starting out. Uh, starting out, I think you've, you've got to enjoy it. Enjoy the game. Um, you know, if, if, it's, if it's not enjoyable or it's a chore at a young age, um, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to get a lot worse. So I think you've really got to, got to enjoy the game uh, and that, that'll set you off on the, on the right path, I think. And what about... For and, and, and work hard. Work hard and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah solid advice. Uh, your favourite roommate on tour? I don't know if you had one or not, but you said you probably weren't goffers, but... <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, favorite roommate? Uh, I'd have to say Johnny White, actually. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah Johnny White. Just, uh, just he's very, just very easy going and uh, similar sense of humour. Probably a bit warped between us, but um, yeah, Johnny White always had a good, good laugh with Johnny. Love to love to be a fly on the wall there. Be a, yeah, a couple of big lads. I'm sure there'll be some uh, some some good comedy on there going in. <laughs> Um, your favourite current current player to watch? Favourite current player? If there is one. Yeah. Um, I do like watching Diego when he's when he's on form, playing well. Um, just because the way he tries to move people around and um, and how he moves. Um, so I, I like I like watching Diego. Yeah. Um, and as in, in the women's game, actually, I used to, I really used to enjoy watching Renine really play. I used to enjoy watching. Um, your did you have a bogey player back in the day when you were yes, yes. yes a guy called uh, yes, Billy Hadley. That's what I, I was. I was hoping it was going to be that answer. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, why was that? <laughs> Just well, he was very. Um, he was a very good player to start with, but because of um, he never got the recognition probably because he, he wasn't as serious as what he could be. But on his day. Um, the guy could certainly play, and it, it it wasn't that I've ever underestimated him. He was just, for some reason, he always used to turn up and not have a head off when he played me. And um, you know, the skill, the skill that he had um, was was unbelievable. But then I'd see him play the next round, and he, he just wouldn't try, or he, and he just lose, and you think, oh. Um, but you know, a very yeah. talented, very talented player on his day when he wanted to. Yeah. I actually remember, he, so he forgot to enter the, the British that year, the, the year that you won it. I remember he didn't get his entry in, in time, believe it or not. Uh, and that, that, <laughs> and it wasn't me in the PSA office. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll have to thank, I'll thank, I'll thank, I'll thank him for that, though, when I, when I speak to him. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Hiding in the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, look at that. <laughs> This, this this could be an interesting one. You're, I know you, we've had a beer together. You, you're not not against it. Uh, have you got a particular ale of choice, a beer of choice, especially um, during lockdown? Oh dear me, I've uh, I've got I've had a bit of variety during lockdown, in fairness. But um, no, I'm 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 just quite a a, a simple guy, really, Jay. That just a, a pint of the old-fashioned beer. Not, good, I'm not a, I'm not a real yeah, ale, not a real ale man. Just normal pint of beer. Fashionable, new, newly fashionable craft out beers and all that. Yeah, we, we, they wasted on my story, unfortunately. Jay. <laughs> uh, number nine, the uh, the hardest training session that you either did or sort of used to do regularly was the one that you really didn't look forward to because it was it was a real brutal one. Uh, the 400 meter training, to be honest with you. Um, that's the one I uh, 
especially when I first started out, um, like I said, I know I said I did quite a lot of running. That was as I got a little bit older, but at the start, I wasn't a great runner. And um, we used to do 400s, um, like the group of guys that we talked about earlier. Every day, Monday to Friday, we do the 400s in the morning and then hit in the afternoon. And um, yeah, I used to dread those, you know, come Sunday night, just waking up ready for Monday morning, thinking, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely brutal for anyone that's done it. Um, number number 10, your your top, I mean, tough one here, but your top sporting memory outside of you, obviously into your rugby and very proud, proud Welshman, but your top sporting memory in general? Um, in general, um, shoo, I think I've got two actually, was the, uh, like you said, the rugby um, and the British Lions, I think it was 2001, maybe they, they won the first test in the Gabba in Australia. Um, I was out there for that, lucky enough to, to watch that live. And um, another one was that um, I'm a big uh, cricket fan. You know, one of my friends is uh, uh, involved with Glamorgan cricket. And Glamorgan got to the, uh, the national, I think it was the Nat West then final one day game. That yeah. was 2000, I think, again. And Glamorgan played in the final. And one of the guys who, lucky enough to know, uh, Matt Maynard, scored 100. And just the atmosphere with all the Welsh people in that ground was uh, something that I've never forgotten. Incredible. Yeah, class. Brilliant. Um, and last one. One thing that you, th you think could improve the, the, current, the squash, current squash game or, uh, or increase sort of increase the crowds um, and exposure of the game? Is anything that stuck out? Um, I, think, I think a couple of things, really. I think, um, obviously, the PSA are trying a lot now with uh, they want players to play the ball more and, um, and obviously get people to move out of the way. Um, I think if they can just get that referee in a little bit more consistent to make sure it's spot on, I think that'll help. But then I think they need the, the crowd participation. Um, you know, even you've got to see what they do in darts and other sports. You know, you can't expect the crowd to sit there silent for a whole match. Yeah. Um, and I think the players have just got to buy into that, that there is going to be noise. It is going to be sort of a buzz around. But if it, if it brings the, 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 the spectators in uh, and the money and the sponsorship, I think they just, you know, like, like darts years ago, there was, there was silence. Whereas now um, it's unbelievable, but the players are still producing the same quality. So um, I think, you know, that, you know, get a bit more buzz in the crowds, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, you know, people are, some of the purists might be against the, the idea of, of that, but you've almost got, you have got to change, you know, cricket, as you say, cricket's done it. You've got to change with the times a little bit, haven't you? And I think the bit, you know, you see over here, and I mean, not on the, not on a huge scale, but with the hardball doubles, they, you know, the, the event itself is, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot about the hospitality and it's not about watching every single rally and, you know, love it, loving, you know, being, you know, every single person in the crowd being completely absorbed with, what's going on so, you know people are dipping in and out and they're there to they're there to have you know a good time and have a few drinks and some some nice food or whatever but just I think looking at that and trying to attract people to come to it as an occasion rather than like you say just to watch every single point and be you know they got the old boys with their there with their pint mild you might have to diversify a little bit yeah you know I think so you know it's um and you know we've all been guilty of it you know when we're on court there's a little bit of noise we all stop wait for wait for silence i think those days have gone um like you said with cricket and the and the, the 2020 um you know squash fairness the toc you know you see people coming around serving beers up into the crowd and canary yeah. wharf try to make it that um so i think they're on the right track i think they just got to encourage yeah. more if there's a bit of noise there's noise and you know and, that, and that's the end of it yeah yeah 
Brilliant. Just make it well, exciting for youngsters. Come, make it exciting for youngsters coming up to watch. You know, that's the other thing to get more people involved in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think letting some of the players express themselves as well, not being too harsh on you know on nailing you know nailing the players for showing a bit of a uh, yeah a bit of character and personality as well. Obviously, you've got you know, there's a, there's a yeah, line. You know, I agree. You there's a line, but uh, yeah, it's just trying to. Like say, get make it attractive to, to particularly to the youngsters out there watching. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dave, thanks very much for your for your time. That's been uh, that's been absolutely brilliant, and uh, yeah, great to go over some some old times and uh, and hear your thoughts and your experiences and your your squash journey. No problem. Thanks. Uh, thanks for asking, Jay. Anytime. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, mate. I'll. Uh, what an absolute treat to hear from Dave there a true legend on and off the squash court I think it was absolutely fantastic to hear his uh, experiences and hear about his squash journey which was pretty unique compared to most players I would say of his generation please share with anyone you think will enjoy it it'd be great to get it out there to as many people as possible and i look forward to the next podcast